This week on Pilot Co-Pilots, we have camera operator Caitlin Maycheck and discuss Houdini and Doyle with Emily Cheever. Welcome to another episode of Pilot Co-Pilots, where each episode we talk to TV industry guests and take you on a guided tour through the pilot episode of one of the season's newest shows. That's right. We treat each new series like playing a board game with your nephew. We begin the event really wanting to have fun. (laughs) I'm Maya Boudreaux. (laughs) And I'm Evan Watkins. And today we are discussing the new Fox show, Houdini and Doyle with screenwriter Emily Cheever, which we very much enjoyed recording on our recent yes. trip to L.A., one of my oldest and dearest friends. Yeah, very fun. Uh, then in the second part of the podcast, we talked to Caitlin Maycheck. She's a camera operator for such shows as House of Cards and Girls. And we talked to her about what exactly happens, you know, while f- actually filming a yeah. TV series. Um, but before we begin, I have... Two orders of business. Okay. First, Maya, you and I both separately watched a pilot this week uh, from Amazon that yes. has been picked up to series. It's called Patriot. Yeah. Um, and I really highly suggest checking it out. Amazon's doing this cool thing where they record, they make a pilot and then, you know, let you watch it and see how, how the feedback is and mm-hmm. it's online. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did the same thing with Tigna Charles, One Mississippi right, earlier right, right. this year. So, and those have both been, both been picked up to series. So, um, I just want to talk about Patriot because it was one of the weirdest, coolest, most interesting. It made me laugh. and Kind of exactly what you want in a pilot. There were so many elements happening that it, it made you so excited for what what's going to happen in the in the upcoming episodes yeah. because there are so many different ways that it could that it could go and cuz it's weird it's like, very it's, weird it's kind of a spy thriller um but the, but a very sweet family yeah. story that's very small at the same time yeah. as being very big and know? and kind of the spy's uh, vice or not vice his outlet is that he's a folk singer also so he sings these songs about <laughs> being a spy and it's just it's just really strange and something i've never seen before but terry o'quinn is in it uh who we know from lost and the dad from that, that 70s, 70s show mm-hmm. and i i i just i recommend it yeah I think you guys check, it check it out patriot on amazon yeah. yeah uh my second order of business maya <laughs> okay. is that i prepared a little game for you uh so this last week, with all the network upfronts, they pretty much announced all the shows that have been canceled for the season. And I know you haven't really looked, but I have. So, do you want to <laughs> want to take a quiz? Okay, okay. Right. We can really only do this once a okay. year. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, go with your instinct. Sure. Right away, canceled yep. or renewed? Okay. All right. Okay. Ready? Yeah. The Muppets. Renewed. Oh. Rush Hour. Canceled. What? Life in Pieces. Uh, renewed. Yeah. Dr. Ken. Oh, canceled. Uh, CSI Cyber. Uh, I have no idea on this one. Uh, canceled. Yes. The last of the CSI shows is canceled. It's crazy. Okay. The Odd Couple. Uh, renewed. Yeah, of course. Superstore. Canceled. Yeah, Nashville really? canceled. You know what? To be honest, I did hear Nashville yeah, people was were up in arms. I heard from, people are from sad. various women in my life. That All right, <laughs> Nashville has been canceled. Uh, Castle 
Castle has been canceled. Oh, you must have seen I that did. one too. I'm a, you yeah, liar. I love Nathan Fillion. No, these the, believe me, I am admitting when I know <laughs> things are canceled or All right. or not. The family. Oh, Jesus Christ. Please be canceled. Yeah, it's canceled. Okay, thank the Lord. The Carmichael show. Uh canceled. Really? <laughs> okay. Person of interest. Uh renewed. <laughs> Crowded? Canceled. Yes, very canceled. Uh, telenovela. Uh, renewed. Nope. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm shocked. And Last Man Standing. Oh, renewed. Yeah, renewed. Okay. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Well, that was fun. Renewed with a capital R. Yeah. That was fun. There were a few shocks in there. Yeah, and maybe next week I'll list some of the shows that, like, new pilots that have been picked up uh, and announced by this uh, the network. Yeah, I was shocked at the Muppets canceling, but at the same time, I did predict it. So I, it's a I really, very I really never know what the networks feeling. are going to do. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Well, let's. Let's get to this episode. Yeah, good it's idea. a fun one. Um, and just to preface it, I want to say that we recorded with uh, Caitlin her interview remotely, so there are a few little tiny audio snafus. But Nothing crazy. I think I figured it out for the next time we do that to prevent it. So there's, yeah, that's good. Cool. No fear. Away we go. All right. We are here with Emily Cheever. She so graciously has sat down with us to watch Houdini and Doyle, uh, the new Fox show, which will air Monday, May 2nd at 9 And it's been airing in in England for Yeah, so this like a is month. a show that Period. I believe is on... <laughs> this is a show. <laughs> this is a show. Um, but I think it's on ITV and like maybe BBC America. It's, it's across a couple networks uh, because it is made in England but stars some American actors as well. Um, so Fox also bought it, and it's going to be on their summer lineup. Mm-hmm. All right, so I will start by reading us the logline here. In Houdini and Doyle, two of the greatest characters of the 20th century, Houdini, master magician, escape artist, and paranormal debunker, and Doyle, creator of the world's greatest detective and a paranormal aficionado, grudgingly join forces to investigate crimes with a supernatural slant. Although they're both rich, famous, and brilliant, they're the original odd couple, with Houdini Mm. believing in nothing, Doyle in everything. (laughs) How dare they? So So that's that. (laughs) That's like an offensive comparison. I'm offended. It's, It's because the whole first episode really has nothing to do with the two of them at all. Like, you see... There's maybe one or two scenes with the two of them actually sharing dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can count on, you know, one hand the times that they actually spar with, like, and talk <laughs> to each other. so generous. <laughs> yeah. like, and so you're, like, hoping for this, like, snappy right. thing. And, I mean, grudgingly, yes. Like, I mm. could see the grudgingly as mm-hmm. in, like, you don't yeah. want to talk to the person, yeah. so you just don't. <laughs> but, but the rest of it... They're was, not really buddies. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. more of a gimmick than anything. You know, the the them being famous. And we get a peek at that of, like, Houdini's glamorous life and Doyle uh, killing off Sherlock Holmes and kind of reeling after that. But do we? Do I, I mean, mean, like, do I mean, we get a peek I, of that? I, I, think I did see that in this episode, Yeah, you know? I just, like... <sighs> This is like watching it. All I can think about was like what happened in between this concept that is so cool and so fun and perfect for a summer lineup and in between the cutting room floor. Like where are all the scenes that actually 
have chemistry mm-hmm. well, and my, relevance. My first thought was, oh, this is like this is like Mousetrap. I just recently auditioned for Mousetrap by Agatha Christie or oh. Indiana Rep. Okay. <laughs> this was like a dinner theater. And I was like, oh, this could be fun. This yeah. could be like an Agatha Christie like mystery. Like, uh-huh. you know, dinner theatery. And then a minute, and then like a minute passed, and I was like, well, maybe this could maybe this is like more steampunk. And well, they, that's due to if, like two people's went, haircuts that are in the episode. Exactly, Hips but it could have gone Hips either way. And if they had gone either direction, this would be a, a joy to watch. But there was so much; it was so British in its resistance to like take a side. Like, yeah, it was to, like, tentative. It like, was the so whole thing tentative. Was, like, like, very tentative. They'd place music, but it would be kind of light in the background. Like, so they don't; they're not really making a choice. But mm-hmm. if they just made certain choices, it could have been. It could have been way more watchable than it was. I do think that that it, it's a weird line um, as far as British, any really, honestly, any British show and any American show. And uh, that's why I, I, the, the main guy in this who plays Sir Arthur Conan Doyle mm-hmm. is Stephen Magnum, Magnum, no. Magnum. Mm-hmm. And he's in the show Episodes, yeah, which, which does that, which is yeah. both an American Showtime show and on in I think on the BBC or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that in itself is a weird show to watch because it is both. It, it's supposed to be set in LA, but it's shot in England, yeah. and it's 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 bizarre. I mean, it's the humor the is humor like is neither me- here nor there. Mm-hmm. It's just like some episodes I enjoyed, and some episodes I was just entirely bored by, and. Uh, to be honest, I never really enjoyed that guy on yeah. uh, episodes, but you know, I don't know much about Doyle, so I didn't really mind him here. <laughs> I don't. I, I guess it's just like when I think of like you know the BBC versus you know the US or whatever. I think of like obvious your obvious like madcap comedies and stuff, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, it's way snarkier and way more pessimistic and offensive like it gives you like when um the it crowd like i actually couldn't watch more episodes you know mm-hmm. because it just made me cringe too much it's mm-hmm. very cringeworthy and this was cringeworthy in the fact that i wanted something cringeworthy to happen i'm like where like what where there was you no going? there was nothing that was there was no conflict. Yeah, yeah really, and no it, conflict. And it should have been all about conflict. Now that you said nothing, that about no the cringeworthiness, it made me think about The Office, like the original British Office, which, which is, is so, so, yeah, so uncomfortable so to watch. And The American Office, which never got to that level, but instead decided to like you know make the lover all the characters lovable yeah and that was know. like more about the heart of it right. rather than the the cringy like, cringi- yeah yeah the cringiness was because these people had such heart totally um there was restraint but there was no decision like there was no well i'm gonna be i'm gonna play devil's advocate here okay and i'm gonna say fox wants gotham probably the season is ending and i think that's also on monday nights and they want something to replace that that's like dark and maybe a little broody and like you know it's got a specific aesthetic that is out to- outside of, you know, modern day. And they just kind of want something that is almost like elementary. And yeah. also, this is the exact uh, Mulder and Scully model 
that just did so well with the with the uh um but sleepy hollow doesn't like i love sleepy hollow fox has sleepy hollow and it's then that's fun it's like supernatural mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. it's like good summer right one hour mm-hmm. and i mean like this didn't have any of the charm of that i mean in terms of casting i think it just there was not even not even no chemistry but just it almost seemed like they had just met like it was almost like it was the kind of chemistry that you have as an actor going in with a reader just an audition room. That's there was like yeah. no. Oh, see, okay. I didn't feel any. Well, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I guess I wasn't really people. watching out chemistry. I kept watching it, being like, "Can I watch more of these guys? Are they doing an okay?" Like, this is the pilot. We don't know them yet. Yeah. Like any That's pilot, bad. you're mm-hmm. not going to care about the actor that much. And I was like, "Oh, despite uh, the guy who plays Houdini's totally relaxed." American accent that is not even set in a time period, which which is really jarring (laughs) when it's against a British accent. It's like honestly, there was one point in which, well, his crazy Houdini hair. I was like, oh, I'm watching like one of the original cast members of Spring Spring Awakening Awakening. because he's so relaxed. You guys are nerds. (laughs) Look at you, motherfuckers. Uh, We just revealed ourselves, theater kids. Well. His costume was even that. Guys, um, what's Hamilton about? Can we take a sidebar? I haven't seen it. Can't get the ticket. Okay. Um, I really, I, I really am giving this a lot of. Uh, 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 I respect hope, that. I yeah, I and I don't want to shit on it at all about you. But well, I think that my summer, you. my summer TV standards are lowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah true. But that's for me. When you talk about summer TV standards, I'm talking about basis of logic and reasoning but if anything i want chemistry to be heightened yeah yeah and sure. and that's why it's so i do feel like they were just thrown into a room together i mean they're mm-hmm. not given a lot of scenes oh together. when they were playing ping pong and then was i don't so... and they were introduced in a way that made me feel like i fell asleep for a second mm-hmm. and like missed the actual moment where yeah, they that okay like, yeah let's talk about this okay because this is a question they're I have. supposed to know each other Are before they? okay is this based in reality did they ever Appar- interact? apparently historically they were buddies that's interesting yeah and apparently they I'm kind of had this I, I think they I had this they relationship came. that was like debunking each other's you know Which the is, supernatural yeah, and very fun. So fun not so because fun. yeah and maybe that that was an early on failure in this pilot that I didn't understand whether they were already had like a very close relationship or this was the beginning of that close relationship. You know what I mean? Obviously they knew each other, but they didn't give us a sense of whether the, 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 their history was rich. Yeah. Their their relationship was rich. Mm -hmm. Um, There. And then Um, enters the, their police woman sidekick right which was so insulting i mean why even create this role i mean if you're only going to make a role for a woman because she has to have monologues about how hard it is being a woman it's just insulting i mean there was no point to. i can't imagine that is historically accurate at all a woman police detective i I will say then here's here's something maybe it was post-feminist because, you know, if it was truly feminist, quote unquote, she would have been really good at her job mm-hmm. and like really smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. But instead, they decided to flip it the other way. And she just kind of did what everybody else told her to. And she was like, 
I'm a woman who's a police. I'm a cop. Like, but not in the end. And that was her. That was her pilot journey. Oh my god! <laughs> it was so. Journey. It was like watching a small child get rewarded. Well, she does for her like waist. pretending. Oh, you found who stole the cookies? Like, good <laughs> yeah. job. And she was like, "I did." But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And her waist is. A smaller that than that of most children. That was and it was a disturbing costume choice. It was distracting because of that. Yeah. It was distracting. And I mean, like, it's I almost know. like where did they find a belt that small to <laughs> cinch her up? It was a, it was a choker. That's a, yeah. It was actually the choker uh, for like a previous. Well, Taylor Swift is. There are alleged specters in this pilot, and also the, specters. the specter of her. Former waste. <laughs> um, oh, but as, yeah. as far as the specters go, though, mm. uh, I don't think I've ever been more confused by a simpler <laughs> plot in my entire life. Like, That's fair. I truly did not know. Like, there was a part of me that wanted that whole law and order clue thing of like I think I know like it's that mm-hmm. guy who always did it or mm-hmm. whatever like it would have been fine if the reveal of the person who done it was obvious yeah but instead I just genuinely didn't know what was going on like I, I I tried to I tried to figure out oh, I, I was tried like, at one point I was like she did it but then I was like I don't know why I, it's too early well, they in the were all wearing habits it. and it was hard yeah. it wasn't even the habits though it was okay, like truly like i don't understand who died and what the motivation is and where yeah. are you right now like it was a very confusing actual yeah, crime it plot. was sort of like a philomena plot oh, i didn't see oh okay well I'll plug then. my ears if you want to make the oh off. no just that it was like about a nunnery that was like you know forcing the nuns to give up their children that were conceived out yeah. of wedlock and yeah. i guess that's like is that Except what happened? One of them is a murderer. I st- actually, I, don't I still don't understand. I still don't know. I think that I it's know. probably a, a really tall order to not only set up that this is going to be a procedural, right? Yeah, a supernatural procedural. I love that. Also involves historical characters that we have to learn how they're related and their relationship. Which I guess they didn't that's really okay. Do a We're good on job board of. for that. And yeah, then also set up that it's like in this other time period. I don't know. I, I feel like it was just a lot to ask of of the writer. Yeah, I think ri- maybe in that case, like I am so like check mark yes, all of the above. I'm mm-hmm. so into that. But then take the time in a pilot to introduce me for longer than a second to yeah. these two guys that I'm supposed to be, you know, like warring with. Yeah. And then you know, like, even just, like, maybe just don't even have the nuns. I don't know. Like, introduce me to this world because it's already so yeah, cool. Yeah, like, much I'm simpler. Already I, so did, cool. I do remember looking at, like, the time, like, how far we were into the episode. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we still have so much longer. But then now talking about it, it's like we needed longer to learn more. Yeah. So in that sense, it's just, like, cut away a lot mm-hmm. of that confusing uh, yeah, I, I did. Stuff. There were certain parts that I wanted to know. I wanted to know more about Houdini. I guess I wanted to know more about this yeah. party he was having. I think he was. Apartment. I think he was cut out a lot. There's no way that there was no. More and then like he 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 like lifted. Uh, what kind of pipe was that? It was, it was opium. He was about to smoke opium, which is like what and you then, think Sherlock Holmes that was a cool usually pipe. does. Yes, and and I wanted to know more about that. I. I I don't know. All right. That was the only part that I was about to sink my teeth into, but it was so fleeting that it was, it yeah. was, it was gone before 
I had even and his realized. opening scene. His opening scene is a scene I have seen. We've all seen it fourteen yeah, yeah, times yeah. in mm. different movies, which is the scene of the cur- him being trapped underwater, the curtain going down, and then the audience after three minutes <laughs> standing up, I, and after four <laughs> minutes going wild, and after five <laughs> minutes being enraged. It's just like oh, that's the same. Uh, I guess I guess that's what he did, but mm. I don't need to see it again. I've seen it. I saw it when Adrian Brody did it. Sadly, yeah. Um, whatever the history, I, <laughs> history Channel reenactment. I movie, do. That was good. I did enjoy the scene just because for me, I immediately thought of like, no one does that anymore. Like, no one stands up in a theater out of shock. And then I corrected myself mentally and I said, uh, when I saw Fast Seven, people stood up and like oh, wow. that was pretty incredible. So. I mean, I was on board with it just evoking that time where I saw Fast 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh. other than that, no, I, I wasn't. Like, it where was, did you see it? I saw it at Chinese Man's Theater. And then, like, the scene, anybody listening, plug your ears if you haven't seen it. The scene <laughs> when Paul Walker is about to fall yes. off the cliff, but then oh. he jumps off the, the bus and unglatches yeah, onto the was, spoiler. Yeah, I was, was crying great, at that. Was People <laughs> like stood up yeah. and like lost their yeah, shit. It was a good scene. And that's that's the joyous moment that I think that we're all searching for as entertainers. This <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't have any of those. That didn't. It, no. This and the climax, like the like one of the one of the climaxes of this was surprise, surprise. They're locked in a grate. Um, the water rising. With the wa- water rising, it's like. In the nunnery. Of course they're going to get out of this situation. They're with Houdini. Yeah. But are they going to do this? Is this going to be the trap every episode? They're going to get caught in a, in right. a, in a, under a grate with mm-hmm. the water rising. They must. I mean, <laughs> how, how is Doyle going to get out of a situation? Like, we got to just avoid water. Can we go yeah. to the desert? Well, the whole <laughs> show to me was that final chase scene was just like... Jeez. I'm supposed to understand that this is urgent and important. The music cues are telling me that I'm supposed to be on the edge of my seat, but nothing about it was actually like dire to me. Mm-hmm. And no. it's unfortunate because like the premise is so cool. Like I'm yes, so all about especially it. Especially that this is like a real like rivalry slash friendship slash frenemies or whatever right. they were that's so there's so much there and yeah i don't know maybe and the was... fact that like this first episode is revolving around nuns and i could usually watch nuns forever oh, they're so fascinating they really are or occasionally fly <laughs> exactly yes. yeah well they do in this Actually, to be fair yeah one of them does yeah. the specter <laughs> the specter of lucy well, yeah. somehow caused by the subway um <laughs> and your eyes <laughs> Yeah. So sound waves, sounds, sounds. Also, let's let's talk just about the character backstories that they tried to establish in this pilot. Okay. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, we learn his main driving force and his want to believe in the supernatural is that. Well, at first, I thought it was that his wife was dead and he was trying to speak with her. Correct. Yes. Um, but in fact, it's that she's insane. Or she's in a... Is she in a... I thought she was locked in a sanitarium. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. She was like um, comatose on some level. Right. So he he needs he needs a, a reason to believe in the supernatural so that he can speak with his wife and understand and he can know that he's raising his children well. And to the point where, although maybe it's not even him uh, that 
needs this because at one point they're at the dinner table and the and his daughter goes, "Hey, did you talk to mom yet?" <laughs> like I really need you to talk to mom. Have you like seen the psychic about her? So then wow. I was like, "Oh, okay, so it's I not just the him. Completely. The little girl also needs him to to check in with mom." Which is it like, is sad. Hey, like I don't know, like fathering must be very complicated, but probably when you're fathering and with an absentee mother, the last thing you want to do is reassure <laughs> yes, reassure your daughter that like, hey, like we're just going to need some supernatural folks to talk yeah. to your mom. And then like spooky. Maybe he said that to like get out of it. But you then know, like, thought, oh, yeah. she's not here right now. <laughs> and now he's like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have told her that. Like he, he really should have nipped it in the butt. But when she have. said that, then I was like, oh, she's the one that came up with the idea. And he's just like, uh, like leaning, mm. leaning in. This is <laughs> This is one of those classic lean in, lean in. as Cheryl Sandberg called it. <laughs> yeah. Lean into your psyche. Um, and then, I, and then um, uh, Houdini, you do see a, like a, there's a moment when you realize what his whole life is for. And this was actually my favorite. And I think it was your favorite. I think it was all of our favorites. <laughs> it was. It was. They were. Doyle shows up to a party. Oh no, the the no, woman, the oh, woman policeman. The woman. She shows up. Lady constable. Name. She shows up to a party Stratton. that Houdini oh, is, is throwing. I'll take your word for it. And uh, what? There. I mean, all the notable celebrities. Royalty. Right? Yeah. Political. Yeah. Churchill. Churchill. Um, Yates. Yates. Uh, who was the other one? The king. Not the king. It oh, was an king? actor. Playing it was the a king. like yeah. An a- and. Yeah. Um, the best guest, his mom, his mother. And his mom walks in the room Locked. and he says, she... this is why I do everything. Look how happy she is. And she's wearing a crown. <laughs> and it's yeah, the, it, it was, was like, that was very sweet. It was a really sweet moment. But then I think that moment, I would, I would just, I wanted to stay in that party forever. Yes. And then the whole episode ruined because then he goes to this other room with a bunch of pictures of uh, like... Psychics and seances. Fake fake psychics. Fake fake psychics. And then he was like, no, this is what I do it for, to like expose these people who like abuse the system. Who are all these people? I don't recognize them. Bloodsuckers. The better I do my job, the more people believe in the supernatural. That's what allows mediums like these to prey on the grieving. Take advantage of the vulnerable. And I am responsible. It's up to me to stop them. Yeah, it made so really no sense. Yeah, and it was just totally nonsensical. Maybe we could have just ended with you're doing this for your mom. Yeah, that's it. It was a very she looks so good. She looks so sweet. And you think he she lives? I don't know, but I hope. I mean, here's my hope for future episodes: is like we gotta get that mom involved. Yeah, that'll that'll be in the finale. There'll be some like mystery. That'll be the the bounty. Her missing crown. Yes. Her. Or her missing. No, stop. <laughs> Don't. That's, I, crazy. Oh, that's too, you know, that's it. That's <laughs> too emotionally you, devastating. You're done. <laughs> no, no. If anything bad happens to her, he will kill himself. But I, I did think it was weird that that was like the best glimpse we had into Houdini yeah, as a what person. A bizarre thing we all held on to. Like that's a sign of just. And and this is what three quarters of the way through ish or halfway. Mm-hmm. And then we don't see him any other like compelling interpersonal moment with him except for 
when he has an epiphany, which I still don't understand, <laughs> but he's getting this massage that I guess oh. can only be described as this like very beautiful woman straddling his back and then like punching Morse code into the tendons of his back. <laughs> and just, then like, they slowly zoom yeah, in. Totally. They slowly zoom in. So she's out of frame and then it's just him just just violently rocking back and forth on his yeah. pillow as yeah. he is as he is slowly realizing everything He's is looking coming at together. a champagne the puzzle glass. pieces are and the, sh- and the, and the champagne glass is doing the Jurassic Park thing <laughs> because this yeah. woman is is pounding so hard into but him. it's but the thing about that is no one's Ripples. reacting like it's a strange like he's not reacting like it's no, a it's terrible not, massage. It's not, it should be. She's funny. not reacting like it's she knows that she's giving a terrible massage. <laughs> no. It is as if everyone in the room, both Houdini and his sidekick, and all the people involved of making this yeah. TV show thought that is actually how one gives a massage and that concerns me well well or it could be that she that they all were too sad to tell her she doesn't oh, know how to give a massage because that's the hardest as thing an to tell actor someone. That's well like, actors should all know how to give a massage that's, 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 that's a class true. in that's, college that's right? the basis of any acting <laughs> did training did you guys really is, take a class in college and just like how to massage no but they were no, massage the truths out of each other starts with a you make a massage yeah. circle listen it or not loosen listen. up and you know I saw some shit that happened in the Tisch lobby like you guys could tell me whatever goes on well like, clearly she didn't know and yeah. it's I think it's kind of hard to pain, tell someone literally you don't know how to give a massage yeah that's That's a hard thing to tell someone you know it's especially if they think they're good at it do you think that she thinks she's good at it? she was pretty confident you don't push so hard on someone or do you think this was a choice she was making as an actress if so then then it should have been recognized whether it was like him just like looking back well, no, he At wasn't like, sitting. Like a, like a, to be oh, fair, like, to be fair, he wasn't it. sitting in proper massage massage was, position. Yeah. His elbows were up, and his like chin was on his. He was hand. already tense. Yes, he was already like his body form was already no, like, tense. He wasn't ready to Full receive snake. I don't know. <laughs> it's always positions go wrong. Am I right? Uh, when you're not ready oh, to receive in the bedroom, I suppose that was the most supernatural scene of the whole. <laughs> Of the whole episode. No, I'm genuinely concerned for this actress who thought that maybe she's good at massages. too. Because that is a very valid comment that I didn't She won't consider. get anywhere with that kind of massage. Mm-hmm. Well, like, let's <laughs> hope that she doesn't get massages the rest of her life. I think maybe it was a choice. Someone give this woman a meaty roll that doesn't <laughs> yes. involve any yes. kind of tenderizing of meat. <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, Evan, you asked a really good question mid uh, midway through yeah, the I show. Wanted, I wanted to give us some time to think about it. Yeah, you asked us who we would recast if we had our ideal. Yeah. Uh, if we had the pick of the litter. I'll, I'll go first just because yeah. I got okay. half, but I, I, I didn't go full on. I couldn't, I didn't come up with the Doyle in time, although maybe uh, I will here in a second. But you know who I wanted to see is Houdini? Giovanni Rabisi. Hmm. He'd make some interesting choices, as he always does, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think see it would have been more habit. interesting. I could yeah. see him, you know, sniffing around. It would have got, it would have been... Twitchy. Well, yeah, of course it would have been twitchy. It would have been darker and twitchier. <laughs> Way heavier on the drugs, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably his 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 voice would have been a stark, even more of a stark contrast yes. to the British accent. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I don't know. But, okay, true. so go ahead. Who? I, I, For, we're doing hear, Houdini's now? No, I didn't come up with the Doyle. So either of yours, really. Well, now I'm second-guessing my Houdini because... But, well, no, I'm not. I'm going to stick by it. I said James Spader. <laughs> oh, my God. He might be a little too old, but I see him. I can see him doing it they would have an issue of displacement of water when he got (laughs) went in the in the uh in his tank just by his head alone but you know what he's he's elegant he has an elegance and movement yeah that I think a young Houdini James Spader, needs. a young it's, James it's Spader. That, I'll give the you that slime factor. Yes. I think it's just like that creepy. Yeah, showmanship. A magi- I mean, he's a magi- he's a magician. Yeah, he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a showman. And then I don't know. I it was harder for me to do William Doyle Shatner. too. You're gonna say William Shatner for Doyle, aren't you? <laughs> I wish I would have thought that. Would have been <laughs> sick. Oh so no, my reunion. God, guys, we gotta make that show. <laughs> I'm They're not back gonna say at mine. It. it was that. I mean, it should. No, no. What was yours? You know what? I said Luke Wilson. Oh, mm. yeah. You know what? I can hang my hat on that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Right? I, like I mean, it, sure, it's going to be tough for this He's Texan to do a British accent. Man, but No, they always say a British accent's close to a Southern yeah. accent. Yeah. You know what? I think that he'd have an ease about him, yet way more confidence in in handling himself as a yeah. man than this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. Yeah. I think that's a big part yeah. of what was missing mm-hmm. was this, like, bravado mm-hmm. that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you? Um. So when you asked me this question, I was like, this is one of my favorite games to play. But at the same time, I wanted something I think better. But I all I could think about, and I didn't even watch this ep- this week's episode, was Alex uh, Karpovsky. I had to just look up his mm-hmm. real name. Mm-hmm. Oh, from yeah. Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and Adam Driver. So Adam yes. Driver as Sir Austin Conan Doyle and Alex Karpovsky as, as Houdini. Mm-hmm. All I could think about was just like, that would be some sick shit. Like, yeah. that would be. <laughs> yes, I love he's that. He's very snarky, but somehow very charming mm-hmm. and like very analytical and stuff. And Adam Driver can like, you know, act the paint he's off a wall. So like, he's yeah. so good. That's what we need to see on Fox. That It's true. I we, mean, yeah. we need to get Adam Driver on Fox. <laughs> guys. Guys. <laughs> what letter writing? To be fair, Fox has always been the network that has pushed the boundaries a little more than the others. So that this would be the place to yeah, do it. Yeah, listen. You know? It's time. Actually, you know what? So if we're going to do, yeah, okay. So we'll. We'll keep this on Mondays at Fox. I still want to see the two of them on like a Tuesday comedy slot. Yeah, um, okay. So we'll yeah. do we'll do some kind of buddy comedy there. Well, um, the grinder <laughs> with them oh, instead with them. of uh, Fred oh, Savage and. Uh, you find that. <laughs> will Will you watch another one? That's kind of you know. That's how we wrap. That's them always up. a a question. <clears throat> I'm gonna say. I will watch another one with the highest of highest of highest of hopes that the two of them will get some chemistry. And that's pretty much it. Like, I don't need a solid plot line. I don't Mm -hmm. need a sensical, like, crime story. I need to see the two of them in genuine shenanigans together. And otherwise, like, I'm out. But that's... But that will be so. I'll watch the first fifteen minutes of the next as a one. test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's kind of how I felt too. Is like yeah. if these guys can find their own thing with this. Yeah, I'll watch another one, and if the mom's in it for sure, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> really for the connected whole season, with that. Yeah, uh, I will. I will watch every every Oops. single episode. <laughs> 
She didn't get a line. That was the saddest part. Oh, Although, if so the, she may it, not be back, it wouldn't have. I guess it wouldn't have hit as hard if she had gotten a line because obviously that's his relationship. Is like she never got a line in her life. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, I probably feel the same way. I. Oh, god. oh wait. Okay. I wish this was good. <laughs> we do have to talk about, and I think this is we have to wrap it up with this. And this is the reason I will watch another one. Okay. Is because at the end of the episode. The strangest thing happened, and it was the most oh. sexist, outwardly oh sexist really moment <laughs> that I was like, "Oh, maybe this show's gonna take a turn." I liked it. Yeah, and, and that, like, was a, that was that was. I, I mean, well, I I don't really want to reveal it because you know that's more of an incentive to watch, I suppose. I I think that it was finally recognizing how insane that this character was, this woman. They finally recognized that this would never happen. That this is insane. This would yeah. never happen. And so we're blaming this. I mean, can I spoil it? That you are having an affair with this with with uh, Doyle. And that's the only reason that you are giving that you are being lauded for this for this uh, case. And it was so blatant. And, and he so... said it, it. It hurt. It, it like it really it was, did. It, we all sort of like reacted. Yeah, but it was physically to me because it was narratively because I was like, was this. Like, I didn't realize that there was things to be awarded from this case. I thought this was a throwaway. Yeah. I didn't know why she was on it in no, the first place. No, they said at the beginning that he he said at the beginning, this oh. is going to be a test of your skill or something like stupid like that. And yeah. And so it's just like, well, you did a good job. Clearly, you're just fucking him. And like. Well, yeah. and the, But there was no hint of. <laughs> there was no hint of sexism really before that. I mean, it was well, like, oh, wow, they're giving this girl a chance. And then at the end, he was just turned so that, that is sexism <laughs> but um but, no yeah i thought it was like she no, was just like, kind of seen like it was the throwaway case for the throwaway cop and if we were to hold true to that comment like maybe there would have been a one part earlier where it was like oh yeah like maybe she had something with uh, another cop or something we have no yeah. basis of her being any kind of like harlot or anything no and just so like it was well, well, it was me being sexist as an audience me- member. Uh, member. Me- thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> be- being, member. Being, skeptical, <laughs> being skeptical of like this time period having a woman. And so I was the no, sexist we one. And then, at the end, <laughs> and then at the end, he was sexist and I was relieved. Yeah. Oh, it was no longer Glad me. So you know what? Not all men. Not all men, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I'm glad I got to sit here and talk about this with two women too. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thanks for watching oh, this, this with is us. Fun. Anything you want to like plug Twitter? Uh, Instagram, well, anything you know, like that. I'm really thinking about getting back into the Twitter, but either Twitter or Instagram uh, is Emily F. Cheever um, at whatever, whatever, at whatever platform you yeah, at whatever. choose to search you. Uh, yeah. All I right. mostly do pictures of words. On in my Instagram that like I find, Bible quotes. Well, like signs, I find really funny. Like <laughs> you know, if you just open your eyes and look at some signs, they're wow. pretty silly. I don't uh, read. <laughs> I just uh, watch TV. Oh, uh, well, you know, God bless America. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really have Amazing. anything else. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Right. He was the best. <laughs> I'm moving you upstairs. Mr. Houdini seems to think you've done a good job. Therefore, I assume you're having an affair. When I have proof, I will not only fire you, 
I'll make sure no woman is ever hired again. All right, we're here with Caitlin Maycheck. She is a freelance director of photography and an IATSE local 600 camera assistant. And she works on such shows as House of Cards and Girls. Thanks so much for being with us, Kat, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Don't worry, you can call me Kat throughout the episode. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, and Kat is one of our dear friends from college. Yes. So we're really excited to have her on the podcast. Yes. I'm, I'm really so, excited to be here. Um, so first of all, I think just for listeners and for me, to be mm. honest, can you just give us kind of a breakdown of the camera crew? Not many know, I feel like, how many hands are needed um, and just kind of the operation that goes on with a camera on set. Great. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's kind of the same for both film and TV when you're working in a narrative setting. You typically have, when they're talking about single camera, they're really talking about two cameras. <laughs> it's uh, an A and a B camera. So you have a director of photography who deals with the director, deals with lighting, deals with grip, who uh, are camera support and also lighting support, and then the camera mm -hmm. department as well. So they're they're managing most of the set, um, the director of photography, and they're the, the visual hand of the director. And then underneath okay. you have the camera operators, but typically here in the United States, we have an AOP and a BOP. Um, and sometimes that B camera operator is a steady cam operator, who is a, which is a different setup. They're basically okay. a human tripod that walks around and follows the actors. And then mm -hmm. right underneath that are the focus pullers who keep everything sharp when actors move around. And right now the style is for everything to be wildly out of focus in the background. So <laughs> focus pullers are very important. And House of Cards is a very big, uh, big example of what oh, yeah, a focus definitely. puller does. Um, you definitely know that in the shooting. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about precision there uh, and movement. Mm -hmm. So they're following the movement. Um, and then there's my job, which is the second assistant camera. Um, second assistant cameras, uh, especially on A camera, which I've been doing for the past five years, uh, I run and manage the department. I am somewhat in charge of hiring people, additional uh, operators or assistants uh, with the permission of my focus puller and my A camera operator. Mm -hmm. And um, we're there to support the focus pullers. We're the people with the slates. We're the people who are marking the actors. So I'm literally chasing Kevin Spacey throughout the Oval Office for a couple of years. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so after the second, there's a digital loader or a film loader. They are the um, you know truck support, running the batteries, running the cards, running the media. Now, when you, as far as like that crew goes, mm -hmm. do you find that most every shot requires that amount of people and that that crew? Oh um, yeah, or does um, it vary? Most, most narrative TV jobs, uh, TV or big, you know, typical features, you're going to use everybody. Um, yeah. You're not going to have you're not going to have an operator pull their own focus unless it's a ENG style like Veep or Arrested Development. Uh, you're still going to have maybe a focus puller to manage the department because they're talking to production. They're talking, they're 
hiring mm-hmm. people. They're doing all that. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that we do. And once we're in a shot, I'm completely managing the communication between my director of photography, the camera rental house, the production and getting approval and not approval for certain requested equipment. Gotcha. Um, so there's a lot that goes yeah. on behind the scenes. So I kind of learned that why I liked being an A camera second for so long was that I could watch the setup and I didn't necessarily have to perform the shot itself. And I could watch how the DP lit it. I could watch how the actors move. I can watch how they're dealing with blocking and coverage and all of that. But also I have a good communication with production because as a director of photography, which is what I ultimately want to do, um, that'll be something that is very important. It's a very, it can be a much more political job. You have to know what you need and know what you can get away with um, if you have to cut things. Now, mm-hmm. in your experience as a director of photography, how much influence do you typically have over not over the director, but, you know, in conversation with the director over... On you know, the actual shots of the show. Which shot, oh, yeah, yeah was style-wise. Mm-hmm. Style and I'm Every, sure it depends on which direct, you know, who yeah. you're actually working with, but just typically. Typically, would say, uh, I would yeah. say, I would say in commercials, a director of photography can be more like a director where they're really, they're really pushing the look, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That, that's my impression. Um, but... Uh, I would say typically it's probably best just to collaborate with the director, but then also when we're dealing with a long show, like I, I know if I were to if I were to shoot something like House of Cards or uh, I would say like House of Cards where you're having directors come in that haven't worked in the Fincher style before, the operator and the director of photography are going to be telling them what the style is or you know how we how they get their vision to match the style set by fincher from episodes one and two or chapters one and two of season one um so that that's the one thing about tv is that that's why you see a a one or two directors of photography throughout the series um Mm -hmm. heralding the image is how i like to put it but there's that uh could could you just sort of give us a little bit of your background because i mean we Mm -hmm. You started in theater. That's how mm-hmm. we all met. We were in, um, yeah. we went to Tish and we were all in theater school. And then you transitioned. And mm-hmm. what, what was sort of, what drew you to film? What sort of made you decide to go in a, in a different direction? So uh, actually both my parents work in advertising. So okay. um, that was something that was heavily influential on me. My mom was a copywriter. My dad still is a creative director. And I would watch all their spots when I was very young. So I was just okay. always... Always watching things, always loving movies, always loving. I was a huge Disney fan. And because I was a huge Disney fan, I was a big singer growing up, which led me to theater because I wanted Mm -hmm. to perform more on stage. I did a lot of performing as like a little tiny 10-year-old cabaret style singer in Chicago where I grew Mm -hmm. up. And then so sweet <laughs> there, there are so <laughs> many VHS tapes that my mom wants to show everybody. Um, and that led to theater. Um, and theater I liked, it was just not exactly what I wanted to do. I really enjoyed working with directors. I was a stage manager for a long time because I had this good organizational tech savvy mind uh-huh. as well. And that's really what led me to camera. I realized I didn't want to be a stage manager because it wasn't creative enough and I wasn't getting roles. So I was always kind of being a stage manager, like always a bridesmaid, never the bride kind of thing. <laughs> and, sure. um, I decided I'll be a directing major. So I 
auditioned for Playwrights Horizons, also got into the University of Michigan's directing program, which did film and theater, okay. but decided to go to NYU because I wanted to be in the city. And sure. I loved doing directing. I had such a great time doing that. And when I decided one summer I'd switch to film because I was at this great school and theater was becoming not old hat, but I felt like I wanted to learn something new. Expand yourself. Yeah, and learn a technical skill. So I decided I'd switch to film, uh, got into this amazing study abroad program in Prague at the film school, the National Film School there, FAMU, which was a directing and cinematography program in 35 millimeter. So I got to start putting my hands on actual real film equipment. And it was there I kind of realized, oh, the photographs I see on set of directors at the camera, they're only there for a second, but I want to be there all the time. <laughs> so that was where <laughs> I decided I'd want to be a director of photography because in Europe, uh, the director of photography also operates, but here we split the roles and the director of photography though manages everything. So I was kind of used to that from doing stage management and also having the creative bent. And I love being a camera person and working with actors in that way. Um, awesome. So that was my kind of wacky ultimate trajectory into camera. Let's sort of shift back to, you know, some mm -hmm. of the specific shows that you've worked on, like um, House mm -hmm. of Cards, um, mm -hmm. the process working with the cast there. Are there a couple scenes that stood out to you that were like, that you were there for, you know, that were oh. intense or difficult or you remember being as challenges or triumphs, anything like that? I mean, every scene <laughs> was amazing. I, it's, so, it's so hard. Um, Robin uh, directs also on the show, and yeah. she just seems like such a powerhouse. Um, She's a joy. Oh, my God. I just, I could say so many wonderful things about her. I, I'm, That's good to hear. She's so awesome. Um, yeah, it was really cool because she, um, I got to see her first three episodes. Um, I was around a little bit on season four, but I was working on girls full time as well. Okay. So, um, I was visiting when I saw her direct four episodes on season four. Um, but she really, really is incredible. Um, a really good actors director, um, and that really wants sense. to learn the camera. She wants to learn how to be good at coverage and how to make good shots so she's really working well that's with... a perfect show to yeah. <laughs> learn that it's, yeah and, yeah. and i know that she and david fincher are very close so he's been giving her okay. a lot of advice even even to this day it seems like and um i just it's amazing how she's grown between each season um mm -hmm. seeing her direct one episode season two and then seeing her direct two episodes season three and then knowing that she directed four season four. So it's just compounding mm -hmm. now. And she's yeah. also now one of the executive producers um, as of last season. Uh, yeah, season she's four. unstoppable. She's no, she's <laughs> she uh, really is. I, I really hope I get to work on her first movie because she's amazing. <laughs> and just just a light, a beacon of light on set. Mm -hmm. She's so yeah. positive all the time. And that's really important. Um, And as far as like then going from House of Cards to Girls, how mm -hmm. does the vibe on set change uh, just from series to series, would you say? I would say House of Cards and Girls are probably very similar, um, in my opinion, because they were just families. They're both families to me now. I go back to House of Cards and the actors know me and ask me mm -hmm. if I'm coming back. <laughs> and it's hard to explain. 
why I'm not. Um, and then girls is similar. Uh, now that it's my second time working on it, uh, saying hi to everybody. It's, it just, you become really close and house of cards, especially so because most people were away from home. So right. we were hanging that out shoots with in each other. Virginia? Or were, uh, that no, shoot? that shoots in Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is great for me because my dad lives in Annapolis now, uh, so I got to see him a lot. <laughs> right, but really you're nice. New York based, so girls yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah. So it was a that was that was tricky because it was seven months. So it's it's hard because House of the the main difference between House of Cards and Girls for me was Girls was being home and mm-hmm. being able to go home and have a home life, whereas House of Cards I was a little more distant from everybody and it kind of affected my personal life a little bit too. But that also meant that I got really close with the people that were on set with me. Um, sure. Fortunately, everybody's awesome on both shows. So yeah. I've been very lucky. And I mean, on Girls as well, a lot mm-hmm. of the, you know, actors, it, Lena and Alex Karpovsky mm-hmm. and Jenny mm-hmm. Connor, who's the mm-hmm. executive producer and writer, they oh, also yeah. direct. Do you mm-hmm. do you find it it's a challenge when a director does that, has another role on the show? I mean, maybe not for you, but for them or... I can imagine there's just a lot more movement on set. Is that true? There isn't. It's it's incredible. I mean, Lena is amazing at what she does. I she's one of the most skilled directors I've ever seen. Period. The end. Mm-hmm. She's not only a director; she's the lead actress, the main creator, one of the main writers, um, showrunner type. I mean, she just does everything flawlessly. Her notes are perfect. We have uh, video playback on set, so she goes a lot we have it full time because she's in so many scenes and Mm -hmm. that show just runs flawlessly it's how it's how directors who are also actors should work it's like a Mm -hmm. crash course for how anybody should work on girls they really trust one another and they've built this amazing team of people that trust one another completely and encourage one another it's really amazing any any creative endeavor i suppose just out of you know because this is what the podcast about but we are always Mm -hmm. curious what you are watching what oh what am i watching what are you liking right now it's weird i'm actually doing a lot of podcast listening (laughs) lots of two dope queens lots of which is excellent if you haven't okay it's all stand up which is oh great favorite um and lots of wnyc lots of npr lots of that what have i been watching these days it's weird i don't always watch what i work on um i watch bob's burgers and archer (laughs) i love those two shows h john benjamin i love you so much if you ever listen to this um uh yeah i watch a lot of comedy actually to get away from all the drama that i usually work on that makes sense it's like a palate cleanser yeah exactly i'm like Um, "Mm, i want to laugh (laughs) I know you've been working on a documentary about yes. your grandfather and for you a while. you sent us uh, the teaser for it, and it the, is yeah, the, it's incredible. Yeah, tell I'm us really a little bit, uh, like a short little synopsis of this, kind of what behind it, and then, yeah, because it's... And your hopes for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, I actually, in January and February, did 25 new hours of interviews with him and completely changed up the visual style a little bit, so the... The teaser is good for the content, um, but the but the the visual look has changed a bit. But okay. my grandfather's this uh, this awesome cultural anthropologist, and I grew up hearing stories of him in the Amazon. You know what he did and lived with uh, the Yanomamo Indian tribes for uh, on and off for thirty years, 
and studying them, learning their language, learning their culture. And I didn't realize how much of a big deal he was until probably high school. Okay. Uh, and also interviewing for colleges. If I met an anthropologist, I would talk to him and say, oh, do you know so-and-so? And then suddenly my college interview became talking about my grandfather <laughs> because he's he's a badass. It's a wacky field of science because uh, he was particularly cultural anthropology because there are mm -hmm. many branches of anthropology. And he also was a big proponent of sociobiology, which was a newer uh, concept in the mid 70s that wasn't embraced by all cultural anthropologists because my my grandfather was very data based, uh, collecting data, making sure that he knew what the genealogies of everybody was. And then it seems like in recent history, mm -hmm. um, he's a very renowned anthropologist. Mm -hmm. And in recent history, there's been some kind of uh, big pushback. controversy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it had always been a big deal within the community. Um, in the 70s, like I mentioned, sociobiology came up and there were these two camps always. And my grandfather is very well known and kind of larger than life and this Indiana Jones of anthropology. Um, but he had a lot of academic rivals. And then that all came to a head in 2000 when Patrick Tierney published his book, Darkness in El Dorado, and it became a, a public thing. So people... And essentially who... the um, critique was mm -hmm. what, Cap? It was that he had, in 1968, when he went down with went down to the Amazon basin with Dr. James V. Neal, uh, they had willingly and purposefully spread the measles during that epidemic that happened right. in 1968, when in fact he was trying to contain the measles epidemic with a that's vaccine. That's a crazy story. It's, I mean... it's so crazy. And the, the thing that's really sad about it is, is that um, this book has been completely debunked, but nobody knows that. Mm. Um it it was debunked in the anthropological community, but now the public only knows that this book was a National Book Award nominee, that it was a huge anti-vax proponent book. Um, it, it had all these things. It was just a good controversy. It was a good right. story. And even when newspapers were calling my grandfather at that time, they said to him, it doesn't matter if it's true or if it's not, it's a good story. So, yeah, and so, so I'm trying to... Kind of about clearing his name from that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know my bias and I know and that's the thing that I'm trying to, you know, work on is knowing my bias. And I've been learning a lot about anthropology um, just to understand, you know, where he's coming yeah. from. But I'm also interested, understand I'm interested how to, be, to see it. Yeah. You know, it looks really great. It was really amazing doing the interviews again with him because we covered a lot what you saw, but then also went deeper into the science that I didn't touch on in my first round of interviews and got him to talk about the Yanomamo as people. And that was that I'm really excited to put in the film um, because he cool. lived with them for five years total. Um, so crazy. Completely on his own, wow. <laughs> which is crazy. Awesome. Well, um, we now would like to, of course, play our game crashed pilots that we play oh, every, yes. uh, every episode. Um, so we will read you three log lines of, mm -hmm television shows and one is a real failed pilot and the other two are fake failed pilots that we've written and we want you to guess which one is the real failed pilot i'm ready okay 
<clears throat> okay, this first one is called Adventures in Parenting. Children's book author Teresa Anderson is a career woman solely focused on her main character, Denny Blankets, and her content single lifestyle. Though after the death of her godson's parents, she adopts the 11-year-old boy and quickly realizes parenting isn't as by the book as she thinks. This TV Land pilot starred no one you'd heard of, and though a pilot was made, it never made it to air. That's Adventures in Parenting. Second one is called Beware of Dog. The first sitcom to be produced by Animal Planet focused on a collie named Jack Poole and used Look Who's Talking style narration to give you his perspective on his newly adopted family. The dog's voice was provided by someone named Park Bench. It premiered to negative negative reviews and was yanked from the schedule after two episodes. So that's Beware of Dog. Okay, and the last one is called College Racket. After Desperate Housewives came ABC's attempt at another sizzling comedy about a small town. Chris Kelly is a college tennis star who, after a prank gone awry, is forced to give private lessons to the college elite. He's quickly tangled in the web of administration, faculty, and donor affairs. ABC ordered the script, but due to casting and contracts, the show was never made. Okay, so we've got Adventures in Parenting, Beware of Dog, and College Racket. Which one do you think was the real failed pilot? I really want it to be Beware of Dog, um, but I think it's the College Racket one. It was, in fact, Beware of Dog. Animal yes. Planet did make this uh, this uh, <laughs> Look Who's Talking Dog show. I and love it. And with, the vo- it was actually voiced by someone named Park Bench. I, that's no it's just so, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I would well, watch that show. <laughs> Well, you could have only for two episodes, sorry. (laughs) So, Kat, thanks so much for being with us. Is there anything you want to promote or plug before we say goodbye? Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm available for hire as a director of photography. (laughs) (laughs) I have Passport Will Travel. Um, uh, My website is my name, Caitlin Maycheck, M as a Mary, A-C-H-A-K, dot com and then you can also follow my instagram which is at maycheck moments okay uh and that's usually and that's it i don't have twitter i don't have and we'll keep an eye out for your documentary yeah oh that'd be great thank you so much that's the whole enchilada (laughs) (laughs) that's racist (laughs) we did forget to mention in the interview that caitlin's documentary is actually called shocky which means pesky bee in the native's language. Ah. Ah. Also, you know what? I didn't realize until this episode, Maya, is that is how hard it is to say Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It's not easy. No, I did uh, try it earlier. Yeah. Try it at home. And that's that's with a lot of practice. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you can find all of our social media links and information on pilotcopilots.com. That's all one word with no hyphen. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Van Watts, V-A-N-W-A-T-Z. And mine is Maya Boudreau, like my name. Pilot Copilots is produced by Evan Watkins and Maya Boudreau with music by Chris Ryan. Thanks for listening. Ooh.